Welcome to the Grace Life Fellowship Podcast. Hey, before we get started with today's episode, we wanna take just a quick second to say that with everything that's going on, if there's anything you need that GLF can do for you, we're here for you. Please give us a call, reach out on social media. Please stay in touch. We're gonna have a lot going on with our digital ministry. And of course, we'll be praying for all of you. If there's a specific request you need, please, please reach out. Um, so yeah, moving along to today's episode, we have a pretty special one for you. Uh, a couple Sundays ago here at GLF, we had Tracy Levinson here um, to give a message um, here Sunday morning, but we also sat down with her after for a quick conversation with Jesse and Tim. So for today's edition of Conversations in Grace, here's Jesse with Tim and Tracy. We hope you enjoy it. Welcome, everybody. This is Jesse. I'm here at Grace Life with our lead pastor, Tim Chalice. And our special guest, Tracy Levinson. Yes. How are y'all doing? Good. It's good to be here. Tracy is the author of a book called Unashamed. Candid Conversations About Dating, They're, Love, yeah. Nakedness, and Faith. Sounds oh, fantastic. I love, I love all the subtitles. That's awesome. I know. <laughs> Tracy, I've known you for a little while, and really I was surprised when we said we were going to do this podcast that they gave you a microphone. <laughs> you don't need a microphone. <laughs> Thank you. You truck around the country. She could run it back and forth from um, your mic to my mic, like real fast. Yeah, right, right. She's a ball of energy. That You won't see that on the podcast, but you'll hear it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I promise I'll stay seated. No, no. Do whatever the Lord leads you to do. But hopefully for this next 20 minutes, it's... It's this. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things you were saying in your sermon, um, well, let's say that you spoke today, right? You yeah. gave a sermon today. Yeah. And what does the word it was sermon fantastic. mean? Sermon. Don't put me on the chat, spot. Chat, talk. Yes. Yeah. Sharing. Yeah. Message. Yeah. yeah. But it was great. It was great. It, it pointed us to the love of God and how Jesus is our rock, even when we hit rock bottom. And That's I love right. that. That's fantastic. So. I hated that I had to figure that phrase out. Jesus at the, you know, when you hit rock bottom, Jesus is the rock at my bottom. Mm -hmm. I wish I didn't have to experience it to know it, but right. I did. Yeah. Well, sometimes yeah. that's the case. I mean, well, I, and you, you mentioned this several times from the gut, this visceral knowing this more than just a mental ascent and believing something. I mean, yeah. we can read the scriptures and we can believe what they tell us, but in this dynamic relationship with God, walking walking with him on this planet that brings the junk that it brings, um, the knowing of those things that we have believed in our minds becomes an experience mm -hmm. beyond what our minds grasp. It becomes this relationship, right? Yeah. It's kind of like I kind of knew before I had kids I wanted kids, but then I've got them. And when you've got them, the relationship, let's, I would say I know what this means now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more than just believing I would want that. So I, it's it's the goodness of God that He wants us to to experience the things He tells us. Yeah. For some reason, as you were saying what you just said, it reminded me not only of us knowing God, like not just knowing Him with our heads, but like knowing Him in a way because we're mind, body, spirit, right? But then all of a sudden, when you were saying what you just said, it reminded me of it works the same way in the area of compassion. So let's say, you know. Um, I'm in a season where my husband got a cancer diagnosis and I spent some time with somebody this weekend who has been through cancer. And all of a sudden, when you know a little bit about what that journey is like, 
you're able to connect with someone, not just intellectually, but again, in, in almost like a visceral way, in, a, in where you're almost like, oh, I love, isn't there somewhere in scripture where it says the bowels of compassion? Oh, Jesus. It talks about Jesus. He, has, he, he cared about people from the bowels of his compassion. It's the word for compassion. It is? It is the word. It means See? from the bowels. Yes. I'm so glad you came. Yeah. So, but, so I think that's so amazing. And so we can experience things, not just by thinking them, but like there's something where we, it's almost like you're bringing your whole self. Yes. Relational. Yes. It's a relational knowing and it's beyond what I agree with in my mind. It's what I live in a relationship. You know, like you could tell me, hey, Tracy's this great lady and she trucks around the country and she teaches Christ as life and she's written a book and all these things are true. And now I know them. I believe them about her. But then you show up and I meet you. And we have a we have a real relationship that goes beyond what I heard about you. I experience it. This is this is what God is offering, and it's it's beautiful. And we we actually now can go back to what we say we know about Him and go, wait, that that's our foundation. So now I start to reinterpret everything that happens on this planet based on what I know about God, rather than what's happening, trying to define who He is and what He's like. You know, and and sometimes like in my life, I've had seasons where I'm not ex- like maybe it's a season where I do something stupid and I feel shame and then my brain will go, OK, I know that Jesus has died for everything I ever did. He doesn't look at me through the lens. He doesn't remember my sins anymore. Um, it is helpful just to speak truth to my mind. I mean, that's great. And sometimes you still maybe I might be still struggling with that feeling of shame. But and so I appreciate the times in my life where I don't feel it viscerally and yeah. I still can go. But mm-hmm. it's still true. <laughs> like so, That's yeah. super important. Right. Like like for somebody that's teaching, you know, so much about not just knowing, but not just believing, but actually experiencing. It's super important then to come back. And really, it's the full picture to go. Hey, and then there are times where what you're feeling is going to seem counterintuitive to what you know. Jesus is sweating. I think you mentioned this, the, the Gethsemane experience. He's sweating blood, you know, and he is anxious and he is fearful. And he's he's had agreement with God before the foundation of the world that this is the mission. And yet at the moment of human impact, when he's got to do it, he says, oh, gosh, if there's another way, I'll take it, but not my will, you know, and then the dangling carrot of motivation was God reminded him of the joy set before him. No, but for Tracy and for Jesse and for all of you out there, no, no, I, I will continue. You know, and I think this, he had to be reminded, not what he was feeling. He had to be reminded of what's true. It's super important that we don't chase after the experience as a law unto itself. We have a knowing in any experience that this God is who he says he is and he's made us who he said he made us to be through the Mm -hmm. finished work. I have a question for you guys. So if God's love is ultimately beyond our comprehension, although that was the main prayer Paul had, right? I went through a stage where I was like, how did Paul pray? Because I got really burdened by people's prayer requests. And then I was like, wow, he basically, ultimately, most of his prayers, if you consolidate them, were about people knowing the love of God. So I'm like, okay, well, that's easy. I can pray for Susie's dog's you know, that fell off in the out of the car that needs an eye surgery. But I'm going to also pray that they would come in to know the love of God. So if it's beyond our comprehension, but I'm always intrigued by other people. And like for you, also, I would love to know it for each of you. When you think of the love of God, 
Like what comes to your mind in this season about that? Like what, cause I feel like I glean from other people yeah. that meditate on different things than I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, no pressure. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think the, when I think of the love of God, I think of uh, the sacrifice of Jesus, you know, and how, how I could be worthy of that. Just thinking about my past and the things that I've done. I mean, all the transgressions, the things that I've done. Um, and I think that um, it's it has to be something that's very intimate and beyond my comprehension. The, the level of forgiveness and the depth of his love for me as his child. You know, I love the sing songs about us being called citizens of heaven. And uh, because it's such a... It's such a deep um, word about my identity now, you know? I think that that sums up. I know we say saint a lot, but I think saint, saint is good, right? Yeah. But to say that I'm a citizen of heaven already is just wild to me. Oh, that's so cool. See, again, I'm sitting here going, wow, that's so neat. So I, so you th- often think of sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Um, and you, do you have kids? Oh, yeah. And so how has having kids, I'm interviewing you now. How is having kids. No one's done that yet. Well, just because I'm interested. Because I want to. You've met your match. I want to. But how has having kids helped you to understand God loving you outside of your behavior? Ooh. uh, Yeah. That's huge because I think that I fail a lot with my kids. And, um, And then I also know that God never fails. So it kind of puts me in a place where I'm humbled. Like I, I don't, I know that I'm not as, maybe I'm, well, I'm not as good as him as a father, but because he's my father, I am. But you're getting a better picture. Right. Yeah, I'm getting what, a better picture. Yeah. But I think even in my failures, what I'm trying to say is because he's my father, I am a good father. And, but what if they fail? <clears throat> How do you view that? My kids? Uh-huh. Oof. Um... Yeah, I'm still working on the discipline thing. No, but what <laughs> no, no. I, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, I know what, I'm what you're saying. I just I, well, well, because when you ask the question, my my first thought, and I know not everybody out there has kids, so it's not limited to this relationship. But in my, I have kids, and I would say that when I think of the love of God, the very first thing I go to is my kids, and mm-hmm. I think you know I spend a lot of time without kids thinking, okay, what does it mean to 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 be loved. You know, learning to receive love, that's that's hard enough. Yeah. That, that, and that's what you're saying, to, to learn to receive love in spite of all my transgressions and all my failures mm-hmm. and shortcomings. And yet God's love is not limited, diminished, or even impacted by what we do. Um, then I became a father and I started to see, at least in picture, yes, not perfectly, but I started to get a better hint, feel for what a father's love is like. And, you know, when those kids are little, I mean when they're just pooping, burping, spitting up <laughs> machines, and that's all they can offer you, and then sleepless nights. And and Catherine and I used to scratch our heads at night going, well, there's no manual on this thing. You know, we're mm-hmm. doing our best, and and man, if we could just make it to the next morning. When, when, you're, when you're at your almost wit's end in terms of how to, to raise this thing, not once ever, not once ever did it diminish that I loved it. I loved her. I'm saying it. Right? <laughs> I know, yeah. Machine. Said that. Well, it was the analogy. <laughs> but I, it, I loved her, mm-hmm. and all she could offer back was excrement. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. I think there's all there's a, there's a point in everyone's life where you get to a place where you realize that your parents disciplined you because they love you. And although I'm not sure if discipline is the right word to use for God, I think that he molds us kind of like he's bringing us, he changes our desires for sure. You know, I think when I, when I was saved, my desires changed, things I wanted were different. You know, I I wanted to pursue different things than I did before. And it wasn't all about me anymore. I mean, it still was about me. I mean, because I'm human, (laughs) but like, it just really wasn't about me anymore. And things kind of, it was almost, you know, the veil was lifted and I kind of saw things differently, but to, to be able to discipline my kids through love is such a challenge because I want to make sure I do it right. Um, and I and all, you won't. And, and I won't. And I don't. I fail all the time. But I know that my father loves me. And if my father loves me, then he will love my children. And my children hopefully will love him back. And then they'll be okay. And, I, had, I had two thoughts about what you said. The first one was someone asked me this weekend. They said, what was it like? to be an atheist, because I was an atheist um, for a long time. I came into faith at about 31, and and people have a hard time believing this, because I am I am an evangelist. Like, I love the message of the gospel, and I like to speak it, and I think people, it's power, it has power. But I, the most influential person in my salvation story was a woman who never shared Jesus with me, not one time, didn't even really talk about him. But she was a Christian, and I don't know how to explain it, but the Bible says that, you know, if you're in Christ, there's a fragrance. Mm-hmm. And there was something about her that I yeah. experienced. She didn't They'll do know you by your love. anything. She yeah. did nothing. She just was. And there was something about it that I was drawn to and was really attracted to. And so actually, I think of that in context when you're talking about your kids. And then I'm also, the second thing I thought of is when you're talking right now, I thought about the luxury of what I had. I did not grow up in a family where we talked about God. We didn't go to church, Bible, nothing of that. But what happened to me was that when I was a young girl, I had a dad who was steady. His name wasn't Eddie, but I'm going to say steady Eddie. My dad, if he said he was going to do something, pretty much he did it. And that included discipline. And he was he was freaked out if you turned the air conditioner down. But he, if you had a trauma and you got in a car accident, he was like completely calm. And when... I trusted my dad, even when I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I can't describe how much I trusted my father. And in, deep in my heart, I always knew that he had more wisdom than me, you know, as a kid. And when I came into Christ, I had the luxury, and it was a luxury, of believing that God was wiser than me, smarter than me, and that what he, he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. So as I'm listening to you because of my paradigm, and I'm hearing you talk, because I'm hearing you being hard on yourself. And what I'm thinking is, because the scriptures pop into my head, which says he remembers your sins no more. We talked about that today in service. He remembers your sins no more. And so it's easy for me. It's a luxury to take God at his word and be like, he didn't. And I'm sitting here going, oh, he doesn't remember those sins that you did. Mm-hmm. You know, and you're like, as a dad, I'm a failure. And I'm yeah, like, but I remember. Right. <laughs> but you know what? Here's again what I think. This is just what Tracy thinks. Tracy thinks you don't remember them. I actually don't think that because I believe you have a new heart and a new mind. It needs to be renewing. But I think I'm doing therapy right now and I'm not a therapist, but I'm thinking that (laughs) I'm thinking that the enemy 
mm-hmm. there's a God, I had a hard time as an atheist thinking there was a devil. I'm like, what, a little dude? But anyway, but the reality <laughs> is there's an, anti-Christ <laughs> is the anti-message. And I know we're probably going to wrap this up in a second, but the anti-message would be if the message of God, and we can take him at his word as he remembers your sins no more, oh. done. And if we could take him at his word, then that means that's not, that's not God's remembering any right. failure yeah. of your past. And that's not even you. But if you can think it's you, but it's really the yeah. enemy. It's all of about the, deception. It's, it's, all, it's the enemy of the yeah. message of the freedom and the grace that you walk in. Absolutely. The end. I love it. And God loves us. Amen. Agape love. Amen. Thank you, Tracy. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, guys. All right, that does it for today's conversation. We hope you enjoyed it. Hey, we hope you join us this coming Sunday on Facebook Live, 1015. We'll be here live at Grace Life Fellowship, streaming to Facebook Live, and we'll have worship. And then instead of our normal message, we're going to take a break from our study of Nehemiah with Pastor Frank for Conversations in Grace Live. So we'll have a live edition of the Grace Life Fellowship podcast for the very first time. We're going to have several guests on, and we think it's going to be pretty special. So we hope you join us again, 1015, Sunday morning, broadcasting live from Grace Life Fellowship to Facebook Live. So we'll hope to see you then.